Welcome to another episode of Musings with Yo-Yo. Today, I'm really excited to have my guest, Aizen. Um, we'll be musing about a bunch of different things. I'm really excited to get started. Um, before we get started on questions and before we start talking about who Aizen is and all of that, how are you doing, Aizen? How's your day been? How's life? I'm good. I'm good. Life is good. Feeling blessed. Thank you for having me on. Uh, definitely very much looking forward to this. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's going to be a good conversation. Um, so before you tell me what it is you do and all that, do you remember how we know, well, you know, you know how we know each other. So tell me, how do we know each other? Tell people listening. Yeah, you know, I, I don't really remember how we met. I'm mm. going to say we probably met when I came to visit a buddy, um, when I came to visit Vancouver many years ago. But the mm. way we know each other is when I did make the move to Vancouver, I joined, uh, shout out to Heart Tacos, our hey. co-ed rec, our co-ed rec basketball team. Um, yeah, and that's kind of uh, how we got to know each other from there. Yeah, I remember, um, you're right. The first time I met you was you had come to visit, um, I want to say you came to visit VJ and you came to watch one of our basketball games or you went out with us a night before, something like that. And back then right, right. you were called, you used to go by the name Dan. And so when you came back and then your name was Eisen, I was like, who is this Eisen guy who looks exactly like Dan that I met last year or whatever it was. Um, yeah. yeah, so that's when I first met you. But yes, we've gotten a chance to play on the same basketball team, but also a volleyball team. Um, right, right, right. And I've been trash, which is probably why you don't remember, because I was so bad <laughs> on our volleyball team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no comment. No comment. We're we're all trying our best out there, you know. So yeah, some of us <laughs> are trying our best, and it's just really barely cutting it. Um. <laughs> anyway, you mentioned that you moved, and we met each other when you finally moved to Toronto, uh, to Vancouver, and we finally yeah. started playing on the same team. So tell me about where did you move to Vancouver from? Where did you grow up? Where Where do you call home previously to Vancouver? Yeah, so home was Toronto, Etobicoke specifically. I pretty much lived there my whole life. Um, made the move to Vancouver about three and a half years ago. Uh, yeah, loving it ever since. Uh, no looking back. Mm -hmm. I had been visiting Vancouver for probably every year for five years before I moved out. And I fell in love with the city. And yeah. it's, it's, it's beautiful, the vibe, the people. Um, it just it just spoke to my soul so mm -hmm. but it was just never in the car like I always wanted to live in Vancouver but it was just never in the cards for me at the time so yeah 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 what what made you move to Vancouver and what was living what was okay so you know I'm moving to Toronto so what was it like living growing up in Toronto and then what made you move to Vancouver yeah it was kind of um I'd say maybe a little bit of a perfect storm that got mm. me to Vancouver so living in Toronto in the same area my whole life, same group of friends. Um, I had been in a relationship since I was 15, which is crazy That's to say wild. out loud right now. How old, how old were you yeah. when you moved? I, I was 29 when I moved to Vancouver. So that's almost a 15-year relationship. Yeah, yeah, Ooh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> which uh, five of those last years were me being married. Mm, so, oh, right. I forgot you were married. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... I want to say in 2016, yeah, 2016, we had separated. And at uh, end of 2016, we had separated. And essentially, uh, brokenhearted, lost, confused, just my whole world got flipped upside down. Mm. Um, 
yeah, my entire identity was kind of tied to that relationship. Wow, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, kind of just packed my bags and ran away from my problems, so to speak. Um, yeah, and didn't look back. So it was maybe a few months after that, uh, I ended up moving in April of 2017 to Vancouver. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Well, I've heard a lot of people talk about moving to Vancouver because... Um, I've talked to other people who have moved to Vancouver from Toronto because of heartbreak or something happened. What is it about Vancouver that makes people want to move there because of heartbreak? Good question, man. Um, <laughs> well, definitely having my friend, shout out VJ, definitely having a, a very close friend of mine that was living here helped. Um, mm. At the time, my company was also able to transfer me over. Okay. So landing on, a, landing on a cushion as well uh, helped. But um, man, what's not there? What's there not to love about Vancouver? It's beautiful. Yeah. Just the 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 nature, being around the nature, and it was so different. Like in Etobicoke, it's I was I was in a little bit of a suburbia in the same neighborhood my whole life. Like my mm -hmm. soul just ate. My soul is just yearning to to break free and leave. Um, and and yeah, leave leave the life that I had. That that's all I knew. Right. Right. A little bit of a change. A lot of bit of a change, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you have a Did you um, have a lot of the same friends growing up in Toronto? Yeah, had the same group of friends, same group of boys since pretty much like uh, all of high school. Uh, since we're like fourteen, fifteen, same group of friends. Um, yeah, like I said, same area. I ended up getting married and still moving, moving kind of down the street. So not not too much changed. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So Vancouver definitely was then a big change for you. So what was it like when you first got to Vancouver? Oh, was it man. everything you expected? I, what was it like? It was at the time it was super exciting. You know, mm -hmm. I, again, running away from my problems, which um, I, I was okay with, I needed a change in my life. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was everything I, I hoped for, man, the freedom of, of being, the, the peace of mind that comes from being free in a city without knowing anybody for the mm. most part, right? Um, kind of first time being away from home, uh, living on my own. And I felt, I felt inspired. I felt empowered, you know, but uh, truth be told, I came with a lot of baggage, mm. um, a lot of heaviness too. And uh, it would take some time before I realized that I was really in the darkness coming, coming through in the darkness. But uh, yeah, Vancouver gave me that, that breath of fresh air that I so desperately needed. Mm. Yeah. And you talk about, you, and I know that we're going to talk a little bit about uh, level up coaching, which is your life coaching business. Um, yeah. So be, let's just get into it. What, tell yeah. me about how, how did that get started? What is level up? Um, yeah. How did, how yeah. did you get there from moving to Vancouver to making, to starting this? Yeah, I, you know, I like to kind of explain it to people by saying this was birthed in the pits of hell uh, mm. because it really was. It really, yeah. really was. Um, so not going too much into my, my, like, my past life, but uh, yeah, I, I moved to Vancouver thinking that a change in city would kind of heal me, right? Um, but I was, in a way, looking now, I moved to Vancouver feeling undeserving of love. 
if I'm going to be real. And I only see that now. So after the mar- my marriage ended, um, I, f- I felt undeserving of love. So I oh, wow. came with, I came with that, with that heaviness here and man, I drowned myself. I tried to drown every demon that I brought with me to Vancouver. You know, there wasn't a demon that, that wasn't by my side during that time. And, oh, wow. um, yeah, I thought I was living and, and, and working through things and processing things, but really all I was doing was carrying that feeling, that heaviness, um, carrying that with me. And, and, uh, so I started getting, getting into, uh, drugs, alcohol, um, kind of grasping for external things to make me happy. Uh, the company of women, um, you know, going out every night, partying and, uh, and things started to fall apart, mm. but in that in that time, um, we're very good at lying to ourselves. So I mean, in that time, you know, I'm in a new city. Um, I found love again, as well. Mm. Yeah. So so the illusion strengthened that everything was kind of on track, and I'm fine. Mm. Everything's going well. So moved to a new city, found love again. Uh, but still the self-destructive behaviors were pretty much still in full force. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so now I was still in the same job. And to give you some context, I had been in that job for probably 10 years with the same company. Okay. And uh, roughly about, uh, I'm going to say the summer of 2018, um, I hit a... I hit a friggin' wall, man. I hit such a deep depression that I honestly, oh, I thought I lost my mind. Like I thought I was bipolar. I went, oh wow. I I it was I, it, I was in such a dark place and I couldn't make sense of anything. I couldn't make mm-hmm. sense of why I had this like dark, heavy cloud with me. Yeah. Um, can I can I actually interrupt you before you continue? A lot of times yeah, people please, think please. of depression and they think that like there's that heaviness of like just hiding yourself in a room and there's just so much so much misunderstood notions about what depression looks like in everyday life. What did that look like for you in your everyday life? Because I don't I wouldn't say that I saw you and I was yeah. like, he looks depressed. Like I would never have said that. Yeah, and you guys wouldn't have known. So me mm-hmm. showing up to basketball on Sundays, like either I was super hungover or I was still awake from the night before. Yeah. And uh, just a shell of myself. And and really like uh, just projecting on whoever was kind of in my way. Like my mm-hmm. unhappiness, my unhappiness and, and just the turmoil I was feeling within was, was starting to get projected left and right. And um, so to, to kind of characterize like the depression, I mean, man, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I isolated myself. I, I couldn't work. I took a, I took a long-term leave of absence from my job. I was, Oh, I don't think I, I knew that. Yeah. Nobody, nobody knew that, man. Mm. Nobody knew that. I, uh, yeah, I, I honestly thought I was bipolar. Like I was convinced, mm. I was convinced that my mind was like, so there was something very deeply wrong. 
um, sought help. Still, like, just nothing was working. Nothing was working. Mm. Um, now, at the time, because I was still in the mindset of looking at external things to change how I felt, at the time, in my, in my mind, I was just like, oh, I just need a new job. I just need a job oh. that'll that'll change that'll change kind of the trajectory I'm on, and it'll pull me out of this. Mm-hmm. And uh, luckily for me, I got another job that ticked off everything I wanted. I remember and, when you got that. Yeah, and I yeah. swear for I swear for a month I was like, this saved my life. This job mm-hmm. saved my life. It ticks off everything. Let's go. I'm I'm out of this cloud, and. Uh, Man, um, um, less than two months later, again, the self-destructive behaviors were still in full force. Um, so I'll paint the picture. I was, so I moved to a new city, have, have found new love, got a new job, and I'm still carrying this heaviness around. All right. And from the outside, everything looks perfect for those of you who are like those of us who are looking at you or like, oh, he moved. He did all these things and everything is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look at him. He's back on track. He's got a new job. He's got a new he's got a new girl. Yeah. Every, everything. Everything's looking good. He's, you know, um, meanwhile. Now I see it's all just kind of temporary, temporary pleasures. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. So that was summer of 2018, the, the really the, the, the deep depression that I, that I sank in. Um, I ended up getting that new job in August. Now, fast forward September, end of September. Man, I went on a bender one night. Mm. I went on a bender of benders. And to be honest, I'm surprised I actually made it out alive from that night. Wow. Yeah, um, and I betrayed myself in such a fashion. Mm. I betrayed myself in such a fashion that, so I ended up uh, ruining my relationship at the time. Yeah, and, I think I remember and, you mentioned that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I told you guys that. And yeah. uh, man, I, what, what I thought was a deep depression months earlier, was nothing compared to what I fell into after that. Wow. So it, it, I like to say I hit rock bottom. I mean, like it's individual for everyone, but like I fucking hated myself to such Mm. an extent after my, my relationship ended in Vancouver. um, I, I, I was like the demise. I was, I was responsible for my own demise. And when I tell you I hated myself to such a degree, like I couldn't even walk by a mirror. I would Mm -hmm. have to like look away. I couldn't even look myself in the mirror. You know, I couldn't. And and I'll tell you, joking aside, as a guy who's spent his fair share of time in front of a mirror. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody always says that when they see you, like when I introduce you to them, they're like, ooh, who's that? I'm like, that's Ivan. (laughs) He's spoken for. <laughs> <laughs> He's spoken for. Yeah. Inside joke, inside joke. But, uh, but yo, I hated myself. Yo, yo, I couldn't, I'm telling you, I couldn't even look myself in the mirror. Like, I was, mm. man, I just couldn't believe 
that I was the cause of ruining my own happiness because I was extremely happy in that relationship and like and those self-destructive tendencies just like it was like pressing the nuclear codes I just imploded the whole thing and all from one weekend sorry and all from just one weekend all from just the again another perfect storm of things that just happened in a sequence that it's like man this this was meant to happen in the way it happened yeah. Uh, do you think, do you think there were things that led up to that? Or was just that one weekend where you were like, this is it? Like, I, yeah. How do you think it got to that? I think it all, and this is, this is what I made sense of it. It all boiled down to a lack of self-love. Mm. Just point, point blank. Um, Cause if I was partying with you that night and you were doing as much as what I was doing, I would have told you, hey, hey, slow down. You might like hurt yourself like this. Right, right. Or or like, hey, take it easy. Or, But like when it came to myself, I had no regard for my own well-being. Mm. And um, yeah, it. Uh, I, I realized that uh, it stemmed just from a lack of self-love and I was just on a destructive path. Right. And yeah, it was, I'm, 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 I'm super grateful it happened in the way it happened. So those, uh, so those two months to follow were absolutely like brutal. Like I, the, yeah, the, the self-talk, the, the, the negative thinking, it, it went to a very, very dark place to say the mm. least. And, and, uh, those feelings of being undeserving of love that I had come to Vancouver with we're now just like inflamed right. at such a high level. Like there was no denying at that point that I'm just living completely out of sync with how I'm supposed to live it. And it was at that time where I wanted to never be capable of destroying my own happiness. You know, I never wanted to be capable of, of being um, the cause of so much pain and suffering to myself. Hmm. And at that time, in order to kind of regain respect, self-respect, and, and, and just be able to look at myself in the mirror, man, I just went super militant about <laughs> it. And, and, and I just started putting myself through like a multitude of practices every day. Like I would structure every day. Well, first I got clean. First, first I got clean. That was the end of all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, That was the end of the partying. Uh, And yeah, I started, I started putting myself through a bunch of different practices to really, to really regain faith in myself. Right. What kinds it, of practices? My, man, so my whole thing was like mind, body, and soul. Like I'm, okay. I'm completely out of whack. Like I'm off, I'm off the track here. And so I started, I committed to yoga. I committed to meditation, journaling. I dove so deep into self-work. Like there wasn't a book. I wasn't, I, I didn't read. Like I, I went full force into it. Mm. Um, and I, I created like this system for myself, like this little program for myself that made every day uh, 
made every day like this little this little mountain to climb wow. with these with these building blocks that I would put in place for myself mm-hmm. um yeah I started I started kickboxing I, I was dedicating myself to gym I tightened up my diet I was um I started becoming a mentor at Big Brothers and I started giving back yeah. I started yeah shout out Marvin no yes, homies. I remember the first time he came to the game. I was like, "Who is this person?" <laughs> He's like, "It's my little brother, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my little brother Marvin." And you know, and you know, through through service to others and through mentoring Marvin, uh, it, it, that that kind of started me off uh, in in a, in a different level of self awareness. Because mm. now I have to really watch myself when I go out with him and and stuff like that, right? So so that that really flicked a switch for me. Um. But uh, yeah, so so I started putting myself through a lot of a lot of various practices, um, and man, lo and behold, I started feeling better. I started mm-hmm. feeling confident. I started feeling confident about the direction I was headed in. Right. Right. But something was still off. Mm-hmm. Something was still off. Like I felt, I felt like. I, I, I had I had good footing again, but um, there was something still off. I realized that it, it just it just wasn't enough for me. Mm. And um, luckily for me, like I said, that next job I got, it checked off all the boxes to show me that I was still unfulfilled. That I, that something was still missing in my life. Yeah, because it's still external. Yeah, exactly, exactly, mm. and 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 hence, after that, that's when Level Up was born. So mm. I was I was seeing a counselor of mine and and telling her like, man, I'm unhappy with this job, like it's not fulfilling. Um, and and she just she, bless her, she pointed me in the direction of of counseling, and and she said that you would be better suited for one on one work like this. Mm. And it, and it really made me think like, man, it, it started off with me thinking like for men specifically, we need help. Mm. We need help. We need help to process. We need help to heal. We need a space where we can be accepted for everything that's going on with us. Yeah. Because society um, paints you all as these like, you have to be strong. You have to like not be vulnerable and all these things. And it's such a detriment. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's not just that society paints us that way. It's just that we don't even know. We, right. we are equipped. Like, I don't even know. Mm. I don't even, I, nobody ever necessarily teaches you how to look inward when you're getting upset at somebody else, that it has mm. nothing to do with that person. If you have an emotional reaction, it's all to do with you like stuff like that, that was so far from my mind that it, that shift. So when I made that shift to the self-work and to only looking inward for everything, looking inward for everything mm-hmm. that changed, that changed it all. So, so my hope w- was, I want to, I want to share this. I want to share this with men. I want to help men heal. I want, I want men to not, uh, be prisoner to their emotions, whether letting their emotions drag them around or suppressing them to an extent where they can't even process them. Right. 
So I started on the journey of making this something. And that's mm-hmm. how Level Up was born. Um, yeah. Yeah. So with Level Up, you usually, um, so first of all, how did, I have two questions. So yeah, yeah. how did you, because you talk about finding that inner happiness and looking inward to find your happiness and looking inward to find yeah. your fulfillment. How did you even, yeah. how did you come across that realization? How did you even get there to be able to do it? Because um, I know that I've talked to you before about comparison. I compare myself to everybody and their grandmother. Um, right. So I know, it, I know that I compare myself, but it's one thing to know that you're seeking happiness externally. How did you get from like, okay, I'm seeking this externally and I need to make sure that I have inner fulfillment. It's one thing to know and it's different to act. How did you get to the action? That's a good question. It it took, it took a lot of work, man. Like Mm -hmm. I was, I was in a way I was blessed to have like the American dream at 25 years old. You know, I, I bought a house. I got married. I was making good money. I was traveling. I had two cars. You bought a house by 25? Yeah, yeah. Get out of here. And honestly, and <laughs> yeah, like I, like I was thankfully not going with, like I was, I started off my career doing very well. So mm. I, I had all these external things that everyone, not everyone, but like that you may think that that's what you need to be happy like I had this stuff I I was going on vacations I was I was going out partying Mm. um it's and and it became so fucking clear to me that it's all just like this dangling carrot right you you can think of anything external that you think will make you happy that you think will bring you joy and really it's just it's just like a drug you're gonna take a hit you're gonna feel great and then what and then it's gone and then you need another hit or you feel like shit and and you get caught up in this in this friggin' cycle and I was Mm. caught in that cycle and and I started realizing as well that I have no control over anything Mm. other than my mindset that's real other than my and, 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 and that was the shift, man. Realizing that, like, man, although you have no control over anything, you have the, all the power in how you want to see the world. Mm. And the, the foundational concept behind my coaching practice is that your mind, body, and soul combine to form the vessel in which you experience this life. Mm. So, so if, if physically, if, you, you know, if you're ailing physically, that that affects how you experience your day to day. It sure does. Right. If if your mindset is one that revolves around lack, that you're constantly wrapped up in your desires, mm. right? You're constantly comparing yourself to others, right? If your mind is not strong, your experience suffers. Right. Similar similarly on a soul level. If you're not doing things to feed your soul, if you're not helping fellow humans, like if you're not living in gratitude for everything you have, and and not only that, but if you're not aligned to your purpose, like again, your experience is going to be affected. And for me, yeah. that's what was really affected. My soul, my I was not aligned at all to how I was supposed to be living. 
Right. And so you feel it everywhere else. You feel it everywhere else. And and you end up projecting that on everything and everybody outside because you feel like there should be a different way to be living. Mm. But because it might be difficult to make sense of it, or it might be scared to do what you know you need to do, you end up projecting that on others. Right. Right. And you start thinking, oh, only if I had a better car, I'd be happy. Or I can't wait for my vacation next month to make me happy. Or if I mm. just got a new job, I'd be happy. Or if my wife started acting a certain way, I would be happy. It's like, no, no, none of that will actually make you happy. None of that yeah. will bring you true joy. Yeah. Start with you. It's, it's all about you. Yeah. There's nothing else. There's nothing else. It's all, it's all about you. And, uh, Man, what a beautiful shift, man. What a beautiful shift. It was, that was, that was, it was like, yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask actually, how, how have you seen the shift had an impact in your day-to-day life and your overall outlook on life? How have you seen it make a change? Man, changes in every aspect of my life, every aspect. Like I, first of all, I, I mean, I'm not going to say in absolute forms because we still slip up and things still happen. Yeah, but, but, yeah. But I no longer, sorry, I, everything is, is an inward focus. Mm. Like nothing external is responsible for how I feel. So making certain agreements with myself that I myself am responsible for choosing happiness, Right. So often we, we, we choose pleasure over joy. Mm. We choose that short-term pleasure over long-term joy. That's, that's an important uh, distinction too. Oops. Sorry. Last year. Yeah, <laughs> All that, good. that, that is an important distinction because you're not choosing happiness when you, when you choose pleasure over joy, mm. you're not choosing to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and, actually- and I wasn't, you know, Sorry, yeah, no, no, I was gonna say, I've, I've definitely noticed a change. I, t- I told you this the last time I saw you. I was like, I, it almost feels like the person I met when you first moved to Vancouver is just so different from the person now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's good that you also highlight the fact that slip ups might sometimes happen with the externals coming in. But if you keep on that process and it's a journey, it doesn't just stop um, with, I found happiness and I'm done internally, but it's an ongoing process. Um, but I have seen yeah. that change in you in so many different ways. I appreciate that. And I, and I, and I, and I don't even remember <laughs> the old me in a sense, you know, I, I hate yeah. saying the old me because, because I, I will get to kind of like the shadow work that I've been doing, but I, I honestly don't remember even the conversations I was having with people three yeah. years ago. <laughs> it's so crazy. Like I asked my friends like, man, what was I even talking to you guys about back then? It's, yeah. It's wild. Yeah. So level up, you talked about um, the guys that you meet with. Yeah. And so you think it's important with like, uh, with specifically men, just being able to lean into that inner happiness, inner joy. What, what does that look like with coaching? So you have, I know you have the men's groups and you meet together. What does that look like? Right, right. So I started a men's group called the fellowship. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, it's a like-minded group of individuals. And basically it's just a space for you to come as you are. No expectations on you to show up in any kind of way. Uh, you can share, you can not share, you can mm-hmm. open up as much as you want, or you can keep it surface level. There's, there's no expectations on you. 
the, the thing that kind of drove me, and I'll give you an example, like as men, we don't really talk about our relationships. We don't really talk too much about how our lives are really going. Mm. You know, people will ask you, how is your partner doing? And that's the end of the conversation. There's no, right. no question about how is your relationship? What challenges are you guys going through? Um, how is, you know, how's your life? What, what are you struggling with mentally? Where are your limiting beliefs? Like what goals do you have? We don't really get into that stuff. Right. Um, so this group is, is really just about, about healing, about processing. You know, and, and I truly feel like in order to to process what's going on in your life, you need to articulate it. You need to kind of let it out. Yeah. Um, yeah, because that, that will manifest a sickness that will pr- be projected as anger towards your partner, towards your family, your kids. You'll be unhealthy, like unprocessed emotions and, 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 and repressed and uh, repressed traumas like this is there's a reason why the suicide rate for men is through the roof there's a Mm. reason why depression depression is rampant in in men and like there's a reason why these guys are suffering right you know and even just the acknowledgement sometimes like you were mentioning just even just the acknowledgement of i need to process something and you might not necessarily be able to know it and i'm not sure i'm not a man (laughs) so i don't know but um, even mm-hmm. just the acknowledgement that there's something that I need to process and the space to share. So important space to share or not share, but just be there um, and normalize yeah. it. Yeah. And so what yeah. kinds of impact have you seen it had on the guys who come to your group? I mean, you have to ask them, but uh, <laughs> it's man, it's, it's been, it's been a special experience right now. We've been probably almost three months in the group and these guys are making leaps and bounds and it's 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 been so nice to see the growth and the progress and the sharing and the bonding mm. um between the guys it's 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 just i'm just so blessed and grateful to be even a witness to their growth like it has right. nothing to do with me it's 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 literally it's their work they're doing the mm. work i'm just I'm just here to witness the growth and to support in any way I can. Yeah, that's awesome. That's dope. Uh, A lot of people will see you and I don't, I haven't played because for anybody who knows, I was injured in my shoulders. I had tendonitis, injury, all of that. That was me not acknowledging the fact that I was feeling pain in my body and just kept playing through the pain. So had I done that, I probably wouldn't have tendonitis. But side note, um, playing basketball with you, people will see you as a very fiery competitor. Um, and so even, right. uh, knowing now that you have found, I haven't seen you play basketball in the past year or so, but, um, has this even shown up in the way you show yeah. up in life and basketball and volleyball and the things that you find competitive because competitiveness is not a bad thing. It's just how you react to the competition. Right. Yeah. Have you, have you noticed right. the change? So <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. And no, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, as I continue to work in dissolving my ego, there's still some areas that the ego comes out in full mm. force. Um, sports and competition happen to be one of them. But um, no, in terms in terms of the aggressiveness attached to the competitiveness, yeah, yeah I, it's, mm. it's definitely, it's completely different. Like yeah. there's, it's, 
I'm, I, I feel far removed from, from, from that guy who was aggressive in sports. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But That's... it took a lot of time. It, yeah. Took a lot of time and there was a lot of shame attached to it too. You know, mm. shame um, in what way? Well, man, every time, well, shame in the sense of getting angry when you shouldn't. Mm. And then when, and then understanding after the it's 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 just a cycle of shame that comes with losing your you losing your temper, then it cools down and then you feel shameful. But then the shame is 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 so ugly that you don't even want to deal with it, so you reject it. So I'd rather not even talk. I'd re- I'd rather not even talk about the fact that I get angry on a basketball court because it just it's it's too sensitive of a topic. But the shame doesn't allow me to actually process anything. Mm. so it it took time for me as well to sit with that shame and not just in the sports but in in a lot of aspects of my life it's taken a lot of time and I continue to do it to sit down with the shame and to try to to remove the shame behind it and to 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 soothe that inner child that's feeling shameful about those things so that's so real. The point, the the point you made there about shame not allowing you to process or not allowing you to even acknowledge what anything is. It's, it's almost like an avoidance technique. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing, the the thing with the thing with shame that's different than guilt is guilt is related to behavior. You hmm. know, you you did a shitty thing. You feel guilty, but the shame is you are a shitty person. Right. So Oof. it's 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 very heavy shame is very heavy and yeah and and it's it's i can only speak for myself but i'm I'm sure it's similar for a lot of people but the role that shame has played in my life is is a big one yeah yeah that's that's actually like as you as you mentioned it now i just think about all the same times i felt shame and so not guilt for an action but shame mm-hmm. and i just don't want to process i feel ashamed i don't want to acknowledge it i'm not going to deal with it because i feel like i'm a shitty person anyway whatever it's like I'm never going to get over right. this, whatever, this is me. <laughs> and the, the yeah. shame in me means that I tuck it under the rug. And so that's a very good point. It's just almost like shame stops you from looking at what it is you're yeah. doing. Yeah. So what, would, what advice would you give someone, because you use the word rock bottom, what would you, advice would you give someone who might feel like they're at rock bottom right now? Um, like what's even like a first step they can take or how do they go, how do they go out of just feeling a little bit above rock bottom? Well, one thing is I'll speak to the people in that person's life. Mm. And I'll say that no matter what you do, you can't get in the way of that person's lessons. Like there's a, mm. there's a course, there's a, there's a, a path that, that person's on that no matter how hard you try, you're not going to, you're not going to change that course. And, and really you don't want to get in their way because you're, you might be getting in the way of their karma, their lessons that they're going to be learning. Mm. Um, Now for the individual in that dark place, I'd say the first step is to surrender to that fact that you're there. Mm. And what made it worse for me was wanting to be anywhere else than where I was wanting to feel differently. Like this image I had in my head of how I should have been feeling was keeping me feeling even shittier Hmm. like nothing else is even possible to exist other than how I'm feeling in this moment so why then put that undue burden upon myself 
to feel differently. Right. Right. So that, that, that's the first step is really just accepting what is and sitting with that and really listening to it because we were so accustomed to reaching for comfort. And at the slightest feeling of discomfort, we reach for something to, to make us feel warm and cozy, whether it's food, whether it's drugs, whether it's our, our codependency on our partner, whether it's uh, yeah. whatever, whatever it is that you use to stay comfortable, to, to keep comfortable, that's keeping you from feeling what you need to feel mm. to then transmute those feelings into something else. Right, right. Yeah, because the acknowledgement helps you take that first step. And I think even like you make a good point about talking to the individuals around the person. Sometimes, one, sometimes people might be rock bottom and you don't know. And another time mm -hmm. they might be rock bottom and you're the person who's just like, just, just get it together. <laughs> like you just, you might not understand because rock bottom mm -hmm. for each person looks different. Um, yeah. But even just uh, acknowledge, and like you said, acknowledge that you are there and rock bottom. But sometimes does it, I don't know if you ever shared with any of your friends that you felt like you were at rock bottom or did you hold that by yourself? Uh, I had shared it with a select few people. Okay. Um, yeah. People were compassionate and sympathetic, but, but at the end of the day, nobody can really understand what you're going through. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk about this rock bottom thing because I feel like we're, you don't necessarily need to hit the proverbial rock bottom. I think a lot of people mm. feel stuck. A lot of people are stuck in, in a hamster wheel of this Monday to Friday, That's real. waiting for the weekend to make them happy, waiting for a break in the routine to kind of give them a little bit of joy. Mm. And I think that perpetual, like I said, hamster wheel is really like a rock bottom in a sense, like you're stuck. Mm. Yeah. Whether you've hit a bottom, whether you've hit a bottom, or you can't get off the hamster wheel, like you still are stuck in some source. Um, so, so it's it's yeah. I mean, w not reaching for comfort right away, I think, is important. Yeah. Like, what are your feelings trying to tell you? And what I've come to understand is that your emotions are windows to your soul. And in order to learn from them, in order to, to allow them to move through you, you have to sit with them. Right. You can't re you can't go to reach to feel a little better with something. Mm. Yeah. And comfort's important, but also sitting, like you're saying, comfort's important, but also sitting and acknowledging again and just being like, I'm here, this is how I'm feeling. That's how you grow too. Mm -hmm. Um and mm -hmm. that self-awareness, you can only manage yourself if you're aware of what's going on too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what are you looking forward to over the next five years or let's say the next year, what are you most excited about with your growth and things like that? Like that? I mean, the most exciting thing to me is it's, it's going to sound super like cliche or cheesy or whatever, but I'm just, <laughs> okay, I'm just excited. We can have some cheese. <laughs> Man, I'm just excited to be alive, man. Hmm. I, I just, I, I'm uh, like fallen in love with life. I've fallen in love with myself and it's so beautiful and it's not, it's not easy. It's, it's work. It's not, uh, yeah. you know, I'd be lying if I, if I said like, 
I still struggle with self-compassion, with acceptance, with keeping my desires intact, staying disciplined. Like there's still struggles and challenges and hurdles and a lot of work. It's, it's, it's a, a lifelong um, road. Yeah. But, but I'm, I'm just excited to, I'm just excited to be here, man. Yeah. I'm excited to, I'm excited to, to learn, continue learning more about myself. I'm excited to meet new people along this path and, 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 and help in their growth. Um, to take the men's group to another level as well. Mm. Um, and, And to, to, to help my, like, I, I just want to help empower people to see that they already have everything they're searching for. Right. That, that right now, everything you've ever wanted is right there, Yo-Yo. Mm -hmm. And you are perfect in the way you are. And that the love that you show others, nobody's more deserving of that love than you. That's important, that love self-love thing. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody in this world is more deserving of the love you have to give than you. Nobody. Mm -hmm. And everybody around you benefits from your self-love. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you can be yeah. you can be anywhere because I know that um sometimes you'll hear people talk about self-love and you have everything you have within you. Um and I can't help but think also of of the, there's a privilege that comes with that. And so just the importance of also acknowledging that there are some people who have more access to self-love or think, but actually now that I think mm. about it, you talking about you having access to all the things and you still didn't have self-love. Someone might look at you externally privileged, but um, the self-love inside might not have been there. And so the importance of just the internal mm. self-love wherever you are in like your stages and your life, like the things life has given to you, you still have you. Yeah, and you, you, you're so right. Like, looking outside in, somebody might say, like, this person has it all. Mm. But you're not listening to the conversations I have with myself. You don't know mm. how hard I am on myself. You don't know that I don't forgive myself. You don't know that I don't accept the darkest part of myself. You don't know that I shame myself. Right? Yeah. This is this is the self-love that money money can't buy self-compassion mm. money money is not necessarily going to afford me the luxury of healing my inner child mm. right and and that's been that's been a lot a lot of the journey for me is coming back to the inner child and right. and, and sitting with myself in those early years and and hearing me like hearing that kid out because that's mm. really all that's really a lot of what your negative emotions are is, is your inner child screaming to be heard you know yeah. yeah yeah well i'm looking forward to seeing how how much you continue to grow and how the men's groups go i think it's very important i always talk to will um about because he's talked about that too like the importance of men just having that bond and um, adult relationships, adult vulnerable relationships, particularly for people who've just kind of been taught to suppress or just don't know how to reach into it. Um, having that bond, having that place to share is so important. So I'm looking forward to hearing how things go with you um, yeah. and how, 
how everything grows over time. And like when you're in Toronto, you have to come visit me because <laughs> um, I definitely want to hear. I want to hear how everything's going. I might go around your neighborhood. Your parts a little bit. Give me the the little parts where you hung out as a kid. But yeah. before before I end this, I always give everyone a chance to ask me one question. Um, mm-hmm. So you can think about it for a little bit. But do you have any questions that you want to ask? Is there anything I didn't ask that you want to still share? Is there anything that you haven't asked that I still want to share? Yeah, I think I would just want to reiterate that nothing outside of you will make you happy. That the things you desire are what keep you prisoner in this world. And it's that dangling carrot. Once you get that thing you desire, there's another carrot in front of you. There's another thing you're going to want. And it's only through paving the way to self-love through through growth and through self-work. And like you can have the ultimate power once you take that once you make that agreement with yourself that it's all about you and it's all about what's inside of you that projects on the outside world mm-hmm. man the game changes the mm-hmm. game changes mm-hmm. so one question to ask you what what has been your biggest hurdle to self-love? What are some conditions Ooh. you've placed on loving yourself? Oh, that's such a good question. Mm. <laughs> um, I think that, so I, I, I don't know if it's obvious, I'm pretty competitive, but I'm competitive with myself. I'm so, my biggest mm. fear in life is stagnancy. Um, like I, I'm so scared of not growing or not becoming better than I was yesterday or anything like that. And I often look at others who are better than me and I compare myself with that. So I think that there are times where like people will say, you're doing well, you're doing a good job. And for me, I don't think I am because I see someone who's doing better than me. So I think that's been my biggest, like, I always look at someone else who's doing something better or who I could be better than, or if like, if there's no one better than me, then I just assume I need to be. I'm not in the right place. I assume that there's no way I'm the best person here. I don't believe that. I never, ever believe that. And I think that, I think that's my biggest barrier to self-love is I'm always thinking, well, someone's doing it better than me and I am not enough as a result of that. Um, I'm working on it though. It's very, it's become so apparent to me that that's a thing that I do. Um, and I think it's just come from like my relationship, but just as I grow up, I, I, as I grow up more, and like I take more time to be more self-aware, reflect all those things. I'm starting to see, okay, that's my biggest thing that I deal with. That's the biggest thing standing in my way to actually just being happy and self-fulfilled and all of that is that comparison. It's the worst. <laughs> it's awful. I can any, any room I'm in, I will compare myself to people. I'll find something. Um, so I don't know yet exactly how to get myself out of that, but it is something at least I'm aware of. And so the, the next step is, okay, how do I, how do I acknowledge the things that I'm also, how do I acknowledge me now and just be present in the me that I am now? Right. Comparison yeah. being the thief of joy, right? Mm, such a thief of joy, such a thief of joy. Yeah. How, and everyone how, how has would, such different success measures. Right. Right. Yeah. How, how would you want it to be different? Like if you had your way, you're saying that this is a condition to your love that you put on yourself to have to compare and be marked mm. against others. What mm. in your, in like, what do you think is how you, like, what do you want to be different? 
ideally, I think what would be different and what would help with that is just acknowledging that everybody is on a different journey in this life. And that's really it. Mm. I'm on my lane and you're on yours. Like I hit like, it's good to look at others for inspiration, but inspiration is very different than comparison. Um, and so I think an ideal state for like loving myself and just really tapping into that self-love because I, I think I'm pretty cool, <laughs> but an ideal state for that self-love you talk about is, um, acknowledging everybody has a different journey in this life. And that's it. I came out into the world alone, literally with no one else. And so my path in this world is myself too. Um, right. And that would be an ideal state is acknowledging where people are at, recognizing where people are, are at, congratulate them on their path, but also acknowledge mine. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and understanding that wherever they're at has no bearing on your path. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So work in progress. We'll see. Hopefully we both grow in the next little bit. <laughs> <laughs> we're, all, we're all works in progress. We're all it's, works uh, in progress. It's, it's definitely a lifelong, uh, journey to, to mm -hmm. decondition and deprogram these things mm -hmm. in you that these systems in you that you've been relying on your whole life in a way, right. To, yeah. to get you from where you want, want to, where you are to where you want to go. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Thank you so much, Aizen. I was oh, so, so excited you. to have you on here. I was very, very excited for this conversation. When I was talking to you just before I left Vancouver, I was like, oh my gosh, it's going to be a good conversation. Because there's stuff I don't uh -huh. think I knew about even just yeah. your personal journey that um, when we talked about it, I was like, he has to come on this podcast. <laughs> so. Oh man, I was, I was uh, so thankful when you reached out because um, definitely been looking forward to being on your podcast. You're crushing it. You're natural at this. Thank you. I'm so, happy. I'm so happy for you, man. I hope to be on again and mm. uh, keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. And uh, yeah, just uh, keep spreading that love. Appreciate you. <laughs>